And so I've created a brand new Visionary Retreat Leaders Checklist. This is pure gold, folks. This is all stuff that I have learned through my own planning processes over the last 10 years that I've been delivering retreats. So if you want to get your hands on a copy, it's absolutely free. You can go to my website, www.theallisonk.com. Click on the can work with me icon, work with me, which is on the left-hand side. If you go to my website and click it and you start scrolling down the page and there'll be a pop-up window that will appear and you can just put your email address in and we'll be glad to send it to you. So make sure you take advantage of this. This is an amazing free offer. This is worth its weight in gold. And quite honestly, I see a lot of people charging a lot of money for the stuff that I'm just giving to you for free. So go get your hands on it. I would love to get your feedback, see what you think, but definitely take it as a free gift from me because I really believe in over-delivering and over-sharing. And I just want you to be able to have it so that you can start using it and planning your own retreats and events. So take advantage. I would love to hear what you think. Welcome to the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I am Allison Katzkowski, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to check out exactly what we're talking about. Self-care means so many things to people. It's one of the reasons I decided to start this show. And you'll hear self-care discussed from a number of different angles in this space. I am grateful to have you with me, and I hope you get a lot out of what I'm going to share with you today. Hey, everybody, it's Allison Katzkowski. Thank you again for tuning in this week to the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I'm excited to be with you, as always, on this Tuesday morning, and I am your host. Um, I'm always grateful to have anybody here along who's a first-time listener, or maybe you've been following me for quite a while, and you just come and get your daily dose of focus for the future is what I like to call what we talk about on this show. So today, my guest today is Victoria Peltier. She lives in South Florida. And what what why I knew we needed to talk to her was is that she's been nicknamed the turnaround queen. And I think that um, there's a lot of interesting angles that we can always use on ourselves when we're innovating and making new changes in our own lives. So wherever it is that you are in your journey, wherever you are in your business, if that's you, then hopefully what we talk about today will be helpful for you. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Allison. Happy to be here. Of course, absolutely. So tell my audience a little bit about you, kind of where you come from and and a little bit about what you do. And I know people want to know why people call you the turnaround queen. (laughs) Sure, sure. So um, I will. So I've been a corporate executive for well over 20 years now. Um, after, funny enough, thinking I was going to be a corporate lawyer. I grew up, I think probably my mother had me watch too much LA Law. And that was (laughs) That was the plan. However, I worked um, throughout university uh, for a bank running um, operations and contact center. And I got promoted quite quickly through the ranks uh, and recruited out a number of years later to become the chief operating officer for an outsourced contact center uh, organization in large part because they had many financial services clients. It was a quite a large stretch role for me. Uh, in that capacity as a only 24 year old. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I leaned into, um, confidence and my ability to story tell where the, um, uh, the experience I'd had, you know, working in that environment would translate into this new environment. Um, but I had to lean pretty quickly also on teams or members around me who had the requisite skills in functional areas I did not like uh-huh. marketing or at that point like technology. 
And so I ended up putting aside my plans on going into law school because I found that I loved the business world. I loved the challenge and dynamics, particularly of the B2B environment. And ever since then, um, I you know have stayed operating full markets or business units, predominantly Fortune 500, but I've also built and bought businesses as well. Mm-hmm. And the turnaround queen title comes as a result of not only being often thrown into situations to take distressed parts of businesses and literally turn them around to higher performing businesses, but because I've been a part of 18 mergers and acquisitions with the companies that I've worked for, not including the times I've consulted for clients on their M&A aspects and usually at the heart of the transformation and integration activities. Wow. Fantastic. So you pretty much, you've probably seen it all, I would guess. (laughs) I've seen a lot, that's for sure. Yeah, because I think I think we can sit here and say, oh, I've seen it all. And as soon as we say that, something will pop up. Oh, wow, that's a first for me, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, the experiences I've had, um, and yes, there have been many, they're vast, certainly helps me become really, or has made me agile and adept to pivoting when necessary and moving quickly towards the change. Oh, I got it. Okay. Agile and adept. I love that. So let's dive in first with a little business, and then I want to sort of pivot to the personal side a little bit. So you talk a lot about your skill set in being able to go into a business or a company that just maybe isn't functioning at an optimal level. Um, maybe that's maybe they're struggling sales-wise. Maybe they don't have the right people in the right roles. What would you say is the primary reason that a company brings you in? The well, the, the the transformational work, so leading through periods of intense um, and now even more compressed transformation. And when I say transformation, that's kind of an ab- abused word right. right now. It means many, many things. Whether that's a digital transformation, whether that's this turnaround, um, that could be a reorganization. It could be performance m- management and restructure. Uh, it because could be the um, you know this this M and A piece. So I'm brought in because I have a lot of experience doing that. But I actually think it's coupled with what I would describe as almost this like maniacal focus uh-huh. around leadership and culture, and that's a significant right. portion of the ability to turn around or transform a business. Oh, of course, yeah, because you you want to examine kind of like take it apart like you do a car, right? You want to examine the parts and pieces, see what what needs, quote unquote, an upgrade, and then what maybe could just be refurbished or polished or, you know, whatever language you want to use. So, so I find that really, really interesting. When you say you do transformative work inside of a company, or you're doing a lot of face-to-face work with executives and like helping them define what their roles are, Actually, yeah, it's interesting. I was recruited, um, you know, into my last job very specifically to lead a practice called CEO and board transformation, and mm-hmm. that's because the the CEO and 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 board members um, need to lean in many times into these larger scale, broader transformational initiatives that sit on their strategy. Um, yeah. And it's their personal engagement with related to that and the success, because too many times they'll a strategy will be developed and then leave it completely in the hands of their direct reports, which one would hope you want. You've got other C-suite or senior you know, leaders within the organization mm-hmm. um, to execute and you want to have trust and faith in them. But there's a, a lot of it needs to be led from the top. 
Yeah, I, I would I would totally agree with you. So so it sounds to me then that a lot of the work that you do once you get inside and you kind of have a, a period of time to kind of assess, you know, whatever language you use around that. You know, would you? What is? Is it fair to say that you're really helping companies innovate a little bit into as to who they are and what they do? Oh, absolutely! And interestingly, I've spent a lot more time over the last number of years working with organizations to define their purpose. Um, oh, and interesting. That, yeah, and ensure that that it, you know gets brought down. And this is where from all levels of leadership to and in, down to an individual. Right? It's they can talk about the organizational purpose, but how do I maybe as a frontline employee, like how do I impact that? How, how am I not just a cog in this wheel? And how does my purpose statement and yeah. values and drive align with the organizational vision, mission? And, and Yeah, purpose? this is so interesting because this is a lot of what we do in my company for people on the personal side, you mm. know, as far as, you know, innovating who they are. I think people get to a certain point in their life and they're kind of like, what's next? So what I'm hearing in your voice then from the business perspective is, is that, you're brought in to kind of take a look at what what is happening, right? And then you're also taking a look at how they can possibly find their edges, kind of tweak and adjust, you know, accordingly so that they can step into their bigger vision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of this is truly about the people as much as even if it's a a technological transformation, it really comes down to the individuals and their mindset. Mm, that's and I love that. I just think I think we could just go in a number of different directions with the conversation. But really, I think where I want to dive in for a minute, because I think this is going to be a really important parallel with my audience is, is that, you know, I think people think that from a personal perspective, that innovation really applies a lot more to business. So I guess what I'd like like to hear your perspective on, since this is pretty much what you do in the corporate, you know, space, if you will. You know, how do you help business leaders and companies zero in more on refining what their purpose is? Do you have like a strategy that you use? Do you have key questions that you ask? I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, there is a framework for which mm -hmm. uh, when working with organizations, you know, we work to get to a stated purpose uh, for the organization holistically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what do they want to be known for? What are their superpowers? And it can't be, all, they can't be all things to all people. Totally. Um, you know, I totally agree and, with that. And so there is a framework around that. But, you know, I think, Allison, as you talk about it too, I mean, it's a big part of that is around, um, and I've spent time with a lot of founders, just, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. although a lot of my work has been with other like Fortune 1000 companies, I spent a lot of time with entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, I bet. And, I bet. and in that case, I mean, you know, their businesses are in, in most cases are deeply personal, their passion, you absolutely know, passion projects. And so, you know, it's really hard to separate the personal you know, purpose from, you know, the, the, that of the organization that they founded or created. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, are really driven and anchored by their purpose. Um, that's one of the principles that I teach too. So I love to hear that, that other people are discussing that, you know, in, at, at the corporate level. Um, what, what are some, if, and if you don't mind me just asking, what's well, just one more question here. Mm -hmm. Are some of the the big ahas that you found when you've gotten into a company and you've sort of helped them kind of refine and polish, if you will, you know what their purpose is and how they can go deeper with that. 
I'm just wondering, like, if there are any, like, really stark takeaways that you've encountered recently that you could share with my audience. The biggest challenge I found, Allison, in particularly working with larger organizations that have been established for some time, is that there is a need to transform the purpose because when they were founded or created, the products or services that were developed were to solve the challenges of that day and that time. And so how do they need to evolve their thinking and stop thinking much more, even around total addressable market? This is the way companies think around how are we going to gain larger share of wallet um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, looking to a new product or service versus uh, actually a much more, you know, innovative entrepreneurial mindset around what is the total addressable problem? Now, the data doesn't exist behind that. And when you think about like building business cases and financials, but that's a great way to bring it, you know, in terms of when you want want to align to purpose, start to think about it in that perspective. And then there's a values-based component that comes in to the equation, around who you want to be. You think about Amazon, right? You know, they want, mm-hmm. you know, when they talk about, um, you know, how they want to serve and be, you know, the best, you know, organization. I don't know have the exact phrase right now, um, yeah. globally. Yeah. Like that's, that's bold. Yeah. So totally. Getting companies to think about how do they solve for the challenges of today and mm-hmm. what customers they serve. And, you know, again, what, how do they want to bring values into that equation? No, I love that because I feel like a lot of companies today, it, it, and you're exactly right. I, I I hear this from a lot of the people that I work with that are involved in in high level companies. Is that you know the the focus is really on the market share, right? What's our demographic? Who are we speaking to? What are we selling? It's like the tangible types of things that you hope that the data shows you. But what I'm hearing you say is that by diving deeper into really helping them you know, modernize their thinking is really what's coming up for me. And just thinking in a much broader context, they're actually able to serve more of the people that they're meant to serve. And I mean, it's like you say, you can't be everything to everybody. You yeah. know what your problem is, know who you serve and do it better than anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. So I've got a cool invitation for you. Ever since the pandemic turned the health and fitness and wellness industry on its collective head, what I'm feeling called to do now is to help health and fitness entrepreneurs build and innovate and grow in their businesses. And I've opened up a brand new community on Facebook, and I would love for you to come over and join me there. So if you are a business owner, if you are working on a brand new idea, if you're developing a new product, or if you're feeling called to serve at a higher level within the health and fitness and wellness space in the collective, I want to invite you to come over and join me there. Join me over in my Innovate and Grow for fitness and wellness professionals in the coaching space on Facebook. I would love to have you there. We've got lots of really fun things going on in there. I've got my weekly live show that I do every Wednesday at noon where I give away real informative business tips, the real stuff, folks. This isn't just some cheesy sales strategy. Come over and join me and innovate and grow for fitness and health wellness entrepreneurs on Facebook so that you don't miss any of the action. I will see you there. Let's pivot a little bit then to how we can apply the same thinking to personal life. I'm really curious because I know you're pretty grounded in fitness too. I'm curious as to how you 
keep yourself, you know, relevant in terms of, you know, being a high-powered corporate executive and or consultant. And I'm sure that requires you to apply to kind of, you know, drink some of your own medicine, right? 100%. I have a personal mantra that became, you know, the title of a book I co-authored. I'm a public speaker and it's the main keynote I deliver. It's called Unstoppable. And and that is in that one, I'm exceptionally resilient. So I believe we need to understand people's why. I'll borrow that from Simon Sinek. You know, understand my origin stories of overcoming extreme trauma in my youth and, you know, created this now woman who's exceptionally resilient, although I had to learn how to develop a healthier level of resilience. So totally. processing, being self-reflective, and then modeling thinking acts um, and behavior that I, you know, I want to be or to achieve. Uh, so there's a little bit DNA in that unstoppableness, you know, fight or flight, I'm a fighter. Um, and then I flex my muscle around how to be more resilient. Um, and the other, um, it's funny, I I sign off my social media posts. Yes. Unstoppable. The other one's no excuses. And so this is for myself, you know, the, you know, needing to align to that. It doesn't, when adversity comes my way or a challenge or some obstacle, I want, I'll, I'll allow myself to feel the emotion. I'm a highly emotional individual. Um, uh-huh. But then I forward. Uh, it is my choice in terms of how I am going to move forward. Yeah. Uh, well, so really what I'm hearing you say is that by taking your power back, what you're doing is you're you're making a decision in the moment how, what you want it to mean for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think that so many people today you know, base what they think and feel on external evidence. And it's really easy to do, you know, for example, like, I'll just use a fitness example. You might be like, quote unquote, killing yourself in the gym, you know, working really hard, trying to hit some goals, and maybe the scale isn't moving, maybe you're not seeing the tangible results, but you shouldn't base what you think and believe about what you're doing on the evidence that you see, you really have to believe it first before you see it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's also I, a big part of it is around progress, you know, so, yeah. you know, one foot in front of the other, or if we're going to talk fitness, and yes, I'm a crazy like fitness fanatic, uh, you know, then like, you know, that little increase in weight, you know, week to week, or increase the number of, um, you know, reps that you can do. I mean, all of that is progress. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's really easy to get discouraged if you're not seeing something happen on your timetable, you know? Yeah, well, I'm not known to be the most patient individual. Um, uh, so that that is one of those things. A lot of high powered people really aren't patient. They're very. <laughs> That's right. So I totally get that because I'm a little bit like that, too. So I have to remind myself, you know, if I'm going to be a mirror of what's possible for people that I need to be like a, a product of my product, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just I'm curious if you don't mind sharing what types of things do you do to prioritize your own self-care? Oh, many things. So I got gotten very good at um, the establishment of boundaries. And some of those are, you know, the the expansive ones. No one's going to tell me how far or wide I can go. I'll define that. But I've also gotten very good at saying no. So things that don't bring me personal or professional joy or value, I say no to, or I delegate or outsource. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means things like I block my calendar, um, before I'm currently in a North American role. So it's, was more of a challenge when I sat in global roles. Um, but before 9am Eastern, because I work out in the morning and yeah, I, same. and I have a shower and, you know, if you're 
audience goes and looks at my picture. I have a huge mane of curly hair that takes yeah. hours to dry. So I yeah. prefer to look like a wet dog on camera. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got so you. <laughs> before nine. I also am a, I'm a big connector and networker with people. So I block mm-hmm. time to, you know, for lunch and pre COVID, it was like much more um, uh, predominant, but for lunch and then two 30 minute blocks for me just to get through email. So I'm not back to back to back to back and, you know, stuck with all of those at the end of the day. Those are, those are great for me from a self care, even just in terms of how I'm getting through my workday. Yeah. Well, and I love that you mentioned the block, the, the calendar blocking. I know a lot, everyone pretty much has their own theory on what works. But I think for me, the across the board that you can't ever go wrong with just, you know, making a decision around what's going to work for you in your calendar and just really like getting ridiculously consistent and good at doing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's not like they can't, you know, flex or move. My assistant knows that um, when he's moving around things for me and as do I. Uh, but um, it's the consistency around that. Um, and, and also I think at some point there's a lot of, and maybe earlier in my career, particularly when I was a, a younger mother as well, uh-huh. uh, learning what I was going to say no to, whether did I think earlier in my career I could, as I was figuring out motherhood, like what did that look like? You know, how many of those sporting events were going to, were, was I going to miss to travel for work? Those kinds of things. So uh-huh. I've got much better with it, with experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Because I think we get we get really good at what we do often. And that can be good or bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. That's one of the things my clients always tease me about that they hear me say all the time is we get really good at what we do often because we're creatures of habit. So we can either embrace it and make it work for us or we can just be fighting against it. all. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Good advice. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your fitness routine, because I know my audience is always curious to hear from other really successful people how they manage to balance a career, family, personal goals, and also like fitness and workout goals. It's like, I mean, I don't have children. I have nieces and nephews and my husband and I have dogs. There are children, but, um, but I totally get the need to, you know, prioritize and, and balance time because we only, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah. So this is a little bit of my no excuses. You know, when people say there's no time in the day yet they, you know, spend an evening Netflixing um, yeah, or staying totally. up so late um, doing something like that, that it's very difficult when the, the alarm goes off early in the morning. So there's an, a, a great amount of discipline that mm-hmm. has gone into that. And so for me, I remember when my kids were teenagers, like I was going to bed before them, like 930 lights out because I was yeah. getting up at 530 to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was again, um, discipline related to that and consistency. So for me, like I, if I end up, you know, for it, because I have to travel and I, I didn't have the opportunity to, you know, get on a particular flight. I um, mean, I had to miss a workout. Like I, I feel awful. Like I hate it now. It's just so yeah. interested in who totally. I am. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, and, and then even I, am. Um, I'm originally from Canada and so good Canadian girl, I play hockey, um, or I used to, and they certainly don't in South Florida right now. But, um, and so even there, I love, love playing. That's my like card- cardio, my high intensity interval training is playing hockey. Um, but I actually opted out of the really late night games for the same reason that I wanted to do my weight training in the morning. Yeah. So again, it's yeah. all about cho- choices. No, I agree with you. I think it is too. And, you know, I, I hear this. I'm, I'm also curious to hear your perspective on this. As a fitness professional, I I completely believe 
there's really not a perfect time of day to do something. The key is that you have to pick something that works for you and really stick with it. So for me, it's the early morning because I know me later in the day, not only am I going to be busy, but you know, I personally, I get tired late in the afternoon and I'm just not at my best. And I would rather like start my day with something challenging because not only is it, you know, energizing for me, but it also really helps helps me in terms of um, focus, and it just I just feel a lot more creative as a result. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same with you. I mean, I, I do it in the morning because mm-hmm. you know teams and clients and other things can get in the way. If you think Absolutely. you're at the lun- lunch hour, and then like an emergency call comes up, you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. And then like you, I'm I'm too tired to do it at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. It's like sometimes at seven in the evening, even I'm like, what am I talking about? I can't even put like three sentences. Well, I'm not quite that tired, but you get my meaning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just like, please don't give me anything really hard to think about right now. Right. Let me just tackle it tomorrow morning when my yeah. is more open. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I want to pivot back to this innovation um, theory here, not theory, but concept before we wrap up. And I'm just wondering from a personal and a professional perspective, um, what your what your thoughts are around not just staying relevant in your work, but how you stay fresh and keep your edges sharp, if you will, you know, as a human being, as a mother, as a business owner. I mean, you know, I would just be curious if you had any like, you know, tips or strategies or pearls of wisdom or anything around those lines for my audience. Yeah, well, I think we need to be looking from at least from a work perspective at things very differently. And and by that, I mean, very particularly around skills, finite skills versus the broader bucket of job um, uh, titles or categories. Um, there's a, you know, as we look at the the world is being digitally transformed, whether you work for a technology company Absolutely. Or, not, yep. or not, we are leveraging it heavily to do our work, um, um, to engage with our customers, et cetera. And so the sh- and the shelf life of skills is dramatically reducing. So it's critically important um, as individuals, you are the CEO of brand you. Um, and don't expect that the organization or your leaders are going to do it for you. Ensure mm-hmm. that you are at the top of your game from a skills perspective. Understand what is needed to be successful in the current working environment and develop, continue to develop your skills there, but also get connected to your the business strategy and where the market is going so that you can build skills for future to maintain your relevance. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and your ability to, you know, be hired and promoted. Yeah. And so again, I think we need to own a lot of that. And some of that's going to, I say, you know, learn the business strategy. Okay. Well, if you're, you know, you know, earlier professional or, or more entry level, you're going to need to ask some people what that looks like, get some support, but you need, you need to own um, your own development and be really clear on how success gets measured, um, you know, in the role that you're in within your organization and that you're aligned to, to those. So I think yeah. that's one of the things that's really changing. And I think the role of like the HR business partner is much more, needs to be much more of a consultant to the leadership now to help them identify what the skills they have today, they're going to need for the future and how yeah. to build those skills or go and buy those skills. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think from a business perspective too, that it used to be years ago. I remember when I first got out of grad school, it was like, There were a lot of companies that just had people on their payroll that would do things. You know, it was kind of like a one-stop shop, but that's really not the case anymore. What I'm seeing and hearing 
especially when it comes to health promotion and all of that, is that there are almost specialists being brought in to, to do these things for them. And it's because of exactly what you said. They're choosing to dial in more to what their skill set, what they want to be known for, what their skill set is, and staying brushed up, if you will, on it so that you know they're at the top of their game. Yeah. Yeah. And you said one important thing too, Allison, is around what do you want to be known for? I spend yeah. a, lot, a lot of time talking to people about the importance of their personal brand at all levels. Even my my son, who's a like recent college graduate, I'm like, it's not too early to start that. And that isn't just what totally. you're cool for, what the, you know, the functional experience or industry experience you have. It is yeah. what makes you different from other people. You know, what are your interests and passions or values? Yeah. And that last piece you just said, what do you want to be known for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I personally rebranded after 2020 because I lost like 80% of my business in the pandemic craziness. So um, so I'm very familiar. I went through that whole re kind of rebranded myself totally. And it was Tom because I had been kind of known for a couple of things and it was Tom to kind of brush up on exactly what did I see my big picture purpose being and where did I see my company going, you know, yeah. as a result of that. So I can totally relate to everything you're saying. What about on the personal side? Can you offer any like tips or, or bite-sized pieces of advice for my audience around that? On the personal side? Well, you, you know, we much like, you know, you're the CEO of, of you. I mean, that's that goes the same for at a personal level. So if you are unfulfilled in whether it be your relationships, your like romantic relationships or the friendships that you have. Again, I think there's an opportunity to make a choice. Like I think of, you know, I met my, my ex when I was 22 years old. Um, wow. I made, made a decision. So I was very, very different, you know, 11 years later when I made the decision to exit my marriage wow. um, and my children were, you know, five and nine at the time that was very tough, but yeah, I recognized I wasn't fulfilled. And it was it was kind of one of those. It's not you, it's me. But I mean, I like I was a very, very different person at 33 than I was at 22. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I made a you know a very difficult decision, but to achieve a different kind of fulfillment and happiness. Yeah. And I hope that my children now can see the kind of relationship with my husband, you know, that I would want them to have the kind of love and partnership. And so. Yeah. I leave your listeners with that, that if you're, if you're not happy or not fulfilled, whether it's relationships with, whether it's with your health, um, or, you know, just pure enjoyment, um, then find out what brings you that joy, what brings you that fulfillment and build a plan to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I just think, I think, you know, as successful business owners, we need to be continuing to just rinse and repeat the same message because I really feel like the silver lining that came out of 2020 um, is that I think people did took a long, hard look at what they were doing and, and basically evaluated, is this working? Is this not working? And what I'm, what I'm seeing now is that, you know, there are people that are either choosing to go back to what, what it was before, or they're choosing to kind of look at it as an opportunity to do different things. And that was kind of the route that I chose to take. But I know, yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there that I think just need to hear that. So I really appreciate you sharing that. No problem. So let, I'm just assuming that, well, not just assuming, I know that there are people out there listening that are really finding a lot of value in what you're, what we're talking about, but maybe they just need a little inspiration and insight as to how they can begin 
on their own process of innovation, whether it be something in their company, whether it be something for them personally, you know, what's a, what's a takeaway that you could offer? Well, uh, I'll share actually my, one of my favorite quotes, uh, and it's by Georgia Dare, and it goes, everything you've ever wanted lives on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. And I share that because I think what holds so many people back is their fear and discomfort, whether that's of being rejected uh, and being told no, uh, of thinking they're not going to be good enough. What I think is leaning into the discomfort and fear is where the development comes and progress comes and and growth. Yeah. And so I would tell your listeners. I think I think think we can. Um. You know, we we let our we let our stories kind of get in the way sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so so I think you know for me I mean I I know I personally had to overcome some of those things a big part given sort of my early years was was around fear of rejection and so sure. um you know and and being vulnerable and so I showed up in a very certain way that actually was very much not like who I was innately um and mm-hmm. so I had to pivot and you know get comfortable with you know being emotional showing vulnerability um to build you know kind of trusted relationships and be seen as a very different kind of leader yeah which really required you to pretty much upgrade your whole identity is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> it did. It was very, um, it, very intentional, strategic, um, and at times painful, as I said, leaning yeah. into the things that I, I wasn't used to doing or made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as, as high achievers, it's really hard to like, you know, face and, and admit the things that we're really not good at. And we're almost really afraid to show people that when really that makes us a lot more relatable, I think, as human beings. Yeah, 100%. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find me. I've got a personal website, which is victoria-peltier.com. I'm sure it's in your show notes, so no one needs to scramble over the last name. And from there, they can choose whatever social um, uh, media platform they want to connect with me on, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook. Okay, fantastic. I really appreciate you making time to join me today and, and share some of your insights. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, absolutely. And folks out there listening, please, if you feel inclined to connect with Victoria, you can find her website in the show notes. You can find each of her social media links there as well. If you're curious to understand a little bit more about what she does from a business perspective um, and from a personal side too, from you know any of her published work or any of the opportunities to hear her speak, please go and connect with her on her site. If you know somebody, a friend, a colleague, a relative that you think needs to hear this conversation, please feel free to send them the link to this as a free gift from me. You're welcome to reach out to me on my website at www.theallisonk.com and you know, send me a note and someone on my team or myself will be happy to do that for you. One of the reasons that I show up every week and deliver amazing value for you in this space is exactly that. Because I always believe that somebody needs to hear exactly what I'm talking about today. And if that's you or someone that you know, love, or care about, then definitely take advantage of that. Um, This is Allison Kaczkowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. You're one step closer to living your ultimate life. So make it a good one.